Welcome to the Adult Candy Podcast. I'm Miss Crystal, your host and idea slinger. What is adult candy about? Well, it's dedicated to cultivating creativity and sensuality in adults, which, let's be honest, is what we all want more of anyway. This exploration of mindful indulgence is in conversations with a very delicious mix of rebels, noted creatives, and sex-positive advocates of an imaginative variety. We dig into process and tools for facing fears and chasing dreams and keeping the magic in running the business of creative sexy cool. While this is absolutely going to be explicit with adult content and bursting with very sexy, the mission here is about embracing and accepting pleasure and desire, which is an internal process. And that is the foundation for any type of meaningful intimacy, passion, or sexual prowess. So buckle up or unbuckle or buckle down because in these very bizarro times, we absolutely can't go back. We go through. Well, welcome to Adult Candy. Uh, I'm here with Monica Thomas in her glamorous uh, <laughs> little studio in Oakland. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming. Can't wait. Um, so, Monica, you have been um, involved in uh, the sex-positive community here sure. in San Francisco mm -hmm. for many years uh -huh. um and we actually met um through fcc free radio you were doing this exploration with monica yeah. so we've you've been doing this for a long time 14 years 14 I'm a years certified sexual health educator oh wow and i also taught classes about um rape and domestic violence prevention at city college and wow um that's how i got my um, certified sexual health educator certificate is because they have a program through the women's studies program and it's about you know what makes a relationship healthy and you know really noticing you know when a partner is you know verbally or emotionally or even physically abusive like how that pattern works out in an actual relationship it's not that the partner is always or, and they certainly don't start out abusive, right? right? Right. And then, you know, like, there's a honeymoon period after episodes of violence, and then the whole thing just cycles through because a person doesn't know how to own their own feelings. They blame their feelings, their negative emotions, their fear, their anger, their grief, their sadness, their, their wounds, but they blame it on the other person. They're like, you are making me jealous, you're pissing me off, you're whatever. And then they, you know, you feel like you're walking on eggshells, you're like really trying to be managing the other person. And then it cycles through this thing where, you know, after an episode of abuse, right, they feel better. And they're like, oh, I'm so I sorry. Know. And I, they don't, they you don't want you to leave. So they're like, oh, and then it goes back into the honeymoon phase again. Um, but then they still don't know how to deal with their feelings in an appropriate way. Like I feel angry. And then you can just comfort them, like, be like, oh, I'm so sorry that you're angry about what you're in fact angry about. Um, and then it, you know, it cycles through that, so, because you can't really fix them. You oh, have totally. to 
you know, give them to someone who, and you know, it's most people just they they have to end their relationship. Oh, absolutely. I don't know if you know this, but um, I was in an abusive relationship in San Francisco. I didn't know. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah. Well, life lessons. Um, And actually, this trip has been really interesting because Mm. true journey is return. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, In going to the witch's convening, we took... Witches! I know! First of all, let's just have a quick moment on... Female power, that's what it's about. Hi. Let's just say for a moment that I can say two people, and I have. I've been so thoroughly thrilled that I haven't paused and say, I went to a witch's convening. That's what I did this weekend. Mm -hmm. And we got together, and we are all fucking witches and no one was apologizing for it or scared and it was wonderful and I'm like this is where we are in the world 2019 also dystopian nightmare but also you know women are like in the white house you mean the rapist in chief (laughs) yes that one but does that not inspire us all to come up from underground and give money to Planned Parenthood yeah. And oh, and I need to and make... And run for fucking office. Yeah. And make sex sacred again. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? And even explore what that is. Yeah, because, what does it mean? you know, I don't think men have an intuitive idea of what that is. I don't think... A that, lot of people don't. Yeah. Not Intimacy just men. is terrifying. All people. Yeah. Terrifying. Because we've never really worked at intimacy at a young age where we're like, oh, this is healthy and normal. Right. You know, it is. Because we're all wounded. uh, Totally. By the culture, by our parents. So here's something fun. Um, I I love the Adams family. Growing up, I loved the Adams family. They were so great. Morticia is like, like, that's my relationship goals. But if you think about it, they framed this incredibly passionate relationship mm. that was totally healthy mm-hmm. in that they they actively loved each other, yeah. they listened to each other, they yeah. communicated, mm-hmm. she had her opinions, he had his opinions, mm-hmm. they worked together to like have this strong family union. Mm-hmm. They are freaks. Right. They are the ones that you should be totally afraid of. This healthy relationship is terrifying. And it was passionate. And it was so sweet. And they danced together. And they really deeply loved each other. Right. And they actually grew closer when they, you know, debated their ideas together or had a discussion. Right. It made their relationship more intimate. Exactly. Oh, it can happen. It's a model. Not only that, it's like... (laughs) If that's if that's what got you know maybe that's what got an entire generation on gothiness right, right. they saw the Adams family and like oh, oh romance I think that's good romance comes in a tight black dress okay sold I, totally <laughs> I mean maybe you know yeah um, but yeah so uh, this is going to be a fun conversation obviously because we're just going to you know bounce all over the place. Um, but you've been in the Bay Area mm-hmm. doing, um, 25 oh, years. yes, 25 I've years. I've been in the Bay Area for 25 years. And at some point I was like, I really want to capitalize on my dream of being a sex positive feminist radio talk show host. 
because I did radio in Alaska and that was my career like just normal morning radio is like a hot AC DJ yeah and instead of like changing the world we were just supporting the dominant culture paradigm with advertisers and McDonald's and like the way that you cover news that is about you pop know, if culture it leads it leads and pop culture and here's what you know Courtney Love from Hole was you know doing it in an appalling manner and you're just like well actually that's not what I want to say about powerful women and that's not what I want to explore about what's I mean I want to start treating what's some of the darkness in our culture and bringing it into the light so that we can be educated and more aware and come from a place of choice mm. you know absolutely so in you coming to the Bay Area, I mean, obviously you would come to the Bay Area in order to be a radical, sex-positive, feminist radio totally. talk show host. Where else would you go? Precisely. Exactly. And I went to the Castro first. <laughs> Perfect. You know? um, and so walk me through kind of the, those early years mm -hmm. of saying, this is, this yeah, is what I want and I'm going, what, what were the sacrifices that you made to get to that place? Well, I had to quit my radio job. That was the first there thing. There you go. I had to stop doing mornings and making reasonable amounts of money. Um, so what I did was I was a house sitter. I was professionally homeless for sex talk. Um, that was um, an article actually uh, that was written about me in like 2008 in the Chronicle. And um, what I did was I lived in other people's houses when they were on vacation and I went around and around the city and moved every 10 days and just, you know, cleaned everyone's house and like made it all perfect when they came back. And of course, my father is a veterinarian, so I'm, I love pets and I, you know, took care of other people's pets and made sure everything was great when they had came back from their trip. And um, that was how I lived my life for seven years in San Francisco. And it was a little exhausting and I didn't make a ton of money, but I was able to at least save what I had made um, as a radio announcer. And um, I got to do some traveling as well because I would have these big breaks, you know, when people wouldn't be traveling, particularly January, February, right after Christmas. And then um, I would go travel the world and I went to, um, Europe and Australia, New Zealand and Jamaica and um, I mean hundreds of countries. Well, not hundreds of countries, but tens of at countries. least fifty, at least fifty countries. Um, but yeah, like all over, like tiny little countries like Andorra that I'd never mm -hmm. even heard of before I went there. And um, I went on this uh, website called Couchsurfing. Mm. Um, and so I, I did a bunch of couch surfing and saved a bunch of, you know, I didn't spend a bunch of money while traveling. I got to meet the local people, which is just invaluable. I didn't want to go around the world just staying in hotels and, you know, just taking pictures and going to museums. I wanted to like see what was really there and have conversations and learn about people. It wasn't so much that my focus, you know, was about, you know, getting prepared for doing a sex positive feminist talk show. I just wanted to make friends and see the world because so often we are not able when we're working a nine to five, 40 hours a week, you know, two and a half 
weeks off a year, it's like... To see beyond that. You can't get out there. I mean, you're so exhausted in your time off that all you're doing is laundry <laughs> and you want to do a staycation, right? Yeah. You're like, no, I just want to watch Netflix. <laughs> but, like, that isn't seeing the world and having different experiences. And, you know, so I really needed to, like, disconnect and, you know, not like figure out how to live without spending a bunch of money so that I could keep my savings and then ultimately I was like okay how am I gonna how am I going to buy a house in the Bay Area and make sure it's a good one and you know all those things so I, I ended up becoming a realtor mm. and that's how I have this house I, I bought this house jazz hands for that like, oh. And, you know, there's a lot to learn, but it's not as hard as you would think. And it actually, it isn't, like, as m much as it does really help to have money in the Bay Area because it's way easier to get a loan. Yeah, right? absolutely. And you need a big loan because most properties. But then if you go in on a house with another person, like you create a TIC, a tenancy in common, or um, you do something like condo convert, you can really increase the value of your property because then people can get their own individual loan on a condo where you wouldn't be able, you have to get a group a loan house. on a TIC. Oh. Exactly. But you can split up a big house and you can live in it as like a family or, you know, roommates. You know, I have my own unit here, but my upstairs neighbor has a three bedroom and it works out really great because we both have our own space and we share the garden and you know, we're both nice people and, you know, it's nice to have a little community too. I think that that's really going to be a big piece of the future of Absolutely. community living. And co-housing yeah, too. Co-housing and community Shared living. kitchens. It's Family better. dinners. It is. It's it is so much better. Especially because. Cooking. Right. And not only that, I mean, you have just, I think it's the, the mm -hmm. solution to the amount of time that we spend behind a screen. Totally. And and so people, disconnected. Yeah. People need having other people in their lives. And that's why we're so addicted to Facebook because it gives a little bit of dopamine, but it's not real human connection. It's not like an in-person experience where you can, you know, get the nourishment of that oxytocin rush where you actually feel seen and have the... Um, trust and bonding hormone oxytocin rushes that well, we can experience. You don't have the ability, like, it's just too easy, right? Because you're not, you don't have to it's create detached. anything complex. Detached. Yeah, you can just, like, see like things. Yeah. I like this, but I don't have to do anything or right. say anything or be committed to anything, and I can just scroll up to the next thing and that's fine and just totally. keep 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 scrolling i think that that is so much a part of how online dating has just devolved into this monstrous it's, it's like cupcakes on a conveyor belt <laughs> you sort of look at them and you're like this looks good well that looks it good. looks well, good and then you try to take a bite and it's all frosting or it doesn't have you know whatever <laughs> Yeah. It's not I, as good as it looked on the conveyor belt. Right. This looks beautiful. Uh, but I mean, also I the choice. Like, teeth. which one, yeah. when do I grab? But I mean, there's not, right. there's another one coming. So I don't, this one is not special anymore. There's no, no way to say that this How is a special really cupcake. Connect. Yeah. 
or just appreciate someone as being like, you are a fabulous, rare, interesting human being. Yeah. I'm willing to spend time with you because yeah. there's always the next one, right? That's why I've loved studying Tantra because even though in a puja, which is like a Tantra gathering, where you are going from person to person and switching partners, each per person is your divine beloved and you're really connecting with them as a person through mostly just eye contact. I mean, sometimes there's exercises where, you know, they talk about consent and what is appropriate touching and how to, you know, negotiate what you want and like, oh, but oftentimes, you know, it's like hugs mostly, Yeah. you know, and it's, and, and people just want that heart connection, oh, right? Deep, deep gazing is like one of the most like, yeah confrontationally like intimate moments mm -hmm. where you just like for me the first time I was in a, a yeah. tantra training session and that was one of the first practices was mm -hmm. like deep gazing <laughs> and it wasn't with this and they didn't do the light gazing where you could look away every now and then and no so... <laughs> it was like we're dropping in right now uh, right and of course we're setting a timer <laughs> we've got seven minutes where we're just going to stare look don't look away i know and <laughs> it, it the first time was with this woman and i'll always remember her face obviously right but she wasn't my type. She was, she was a woman and she, you know, and I was like, and I had to really confront that it was like, I'm having intimacy with a person, a human being. A human, yeah. And the amount of love that I had for this woman after, after seven minutes, seven it's minutes. It's profound, isn't it? It is amazing. You're like, oh, you know, I feel what you're going through. I am, com I have compassion for your struggles. Right. You know? I don't know you at all. I don't right. even know if you actually have struggled, but I see in your eyes that you are a human being <laughs> yeah. and you know, anytime I'm connected with that. Yeah. Right. And anytime you start laughing and I start laughing, and we all both of a crack up and, and we have the mirror neurons where we're both having the same brain chemicals at the same time. Right. And it was just like, all of this like flows away and this is an important moment and I'm okay with it. And then letting it go, but and we don't onto the next person, right? Onto the next divine beloved, right? Because each of them are mm -hmm. right. And I think that there's so much about our society. is just like, no, 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 no. This that's is the, the wrong one. The next one's going to be better instead of enjoying right. the greatness of what's now. Or you can fix the one that's in front of you, right? <laughs> because, you know, not that, okay, so we do all have wounds, but I think particularly as women, we get information from people that say, oh, well, you know, you just, you know, you need, you need to be the inspiration or you need to be the <laughs> you can changing the, force the in this person's life. Yes, the muse. The, and it's like such a, a trap because, I mean, especially as women in the modern world, we're trying to do everything. We're trying to look beautiful, have a beautiful home, work really hard, change the world, fight the patriarchy, but then also totally being have... really great at oral sex and then, you know, like be in service 24-7 right. and totally be selfless and, you know, 
not sleep and spend 15 hours a day on also your makeup. probably parent also go to the gym yes glam. yes also and parent par- right right you've got all of these so many things it's so many it's many exhausting. many things that you're supposed to be and anytime you even attempt to say maybe i take something off this right like the entire world is like what how, how dare you? you? Right. How dare you have time for right. yourself? I mean, I do recognize... Like retreat by yourself? What is that? <laughs> I mean, it's, and you, you do start to see the shift, right? Because... Yeah, it's happening. Know, it's changing. I'm 39 years old, and very rarely does someone come at me for, like, not being a parent. You know? Very rarely. Yeah. Although when it does happen, I'm like... It happens to me. How the fuck... Who like, the fuck do you think you do are? Do you really think we need more people? Well, More? I mean, it's always just like, I'm sorry. Can we just help the people that are here now? Who are you? Why do Why would you, you have any opinions about, about what I do with my reproductive tract? <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure, uh, you know. The... And we are suffering from overpopulation rather than underpopulation. Right. Maybe I would be a bad mother. Or maybe you just don't choose it, and it's not the life that you want to leave. I mean, it is a super big sacrifice. Right, it is. I mean, you're never going to have brunch again if you're a mother. (laughs) (laughs) Well, or you have to find someone to watch your children. I I mean, it's just a ton of work. It is. It's more than 20 years. It's not just 18 years. No, it's the the rest rest of of your your natural-born life. Absolutely. And not, I mean, there are rewards. Absolutely. I mean, it's beautiful, and you can. But it it's not brainwash for everyone. Your own human, and it's not for everyone, and it doesn't need to be for everyone. There's plenty of people on this planet, right? And most importantly, it's none wounded. of your goddamn business. Also that, yeah, you know, it's none of your business what I do with my body, right? right? Like, I, what, yeah, I what was color the... I choose to have my hair, or what my body looks like, or what I'm choosing to wear. You yeah. know, like yeah, I know. everyone has. Like, they think it's, like, gives them an identity to have a lo- judgments about people. And, yeah. And it's really... People's opinions not, define them. Right. And... I don't like pears. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't like mayonnaise. Right. Here I am. You know? Yeah. But if you like mayonnaise... More power to you. Good for you. Less mayonnaise for me to reject. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. I'm totally okay with that. Right. But I think that it is really interesting. <laughs> for me, my aunt is, um, she's an amazing woman, does tons of stuff. She's like 82 years old, still travels all around the world. And she has admitted to me in the most recent years that parenting was not really her jam. She wasn't oh, particularly she was a parent. Oh, yeah. She had four kids. Oh, my. Yeah. But again, I mean, societal just having structure. One child is a ton of work. Right, but societal structure, right? right. She had her kids in you the get early sixties. Then you have your kids. Right, you get married, you have kids, and, and that's then you what do you your... do as a right. young lady. Yeah. yeah, and now slowly but surely, it's starting to become possible right. to see ourselves aside from, and also, you know, uh, global warming. Like what? What? What world are we leaving the what children? Are, exactly. What are they going to do? I mean, you look at Greta, and... She's so angry, and for good reason. Absolutely! Yeah. I mean, 
I'm just glad that she's She's like, get it together right now. (laughs) It's already too late. Yeah, you know, I mean, she's the, you know, why she doesn't have a Molotov cocktail in her hand and, like, throwing it out there. But in her way, that yeah. is her Molotov cocktail. It's her true. anger is her Molotov. And I her mean, visibility. Yeah. And do you see how angry some people get, particularly men? You know, they feel so threatened by her. Mm. And it really is destabilizing the corporate model of using resources and not paying for what you use. Right. And having that told to you by a 15-year-old girl... Is threatening. Yeah, absolutely. And And she's not even bothering to wear makeup. Nope. Doesn't want to... Doesn't doesn't have time to play any of the games. games, yeah. And I think that they are... Doesn't need your approval. No. And it's... To be honest, it's joyful. It's joyful to see... Yeah. A 15-year-old girl just being like, Fuck you and everything you stand for. Here's on how you need the to cover of Time magazine, yeah. no less. It is nice. You know? I mean, it's, uh, it's so complicated to be in this time mm. of such intense duality. Yeah. Where you have this... In some ways, it's beautiful. Because oh, yeah. otherwise, it's like, oh it's my so... God, I'm, so, I'm like alternatingly joyful and like, <laughs> terrified ah! and... Angry, so angry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in many ways, like the idea of, um, you know, like the Gen X, right, where mm-hmm. they had their their hippie parents turned yuppie parents, mm-hmm. and they're like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to believe in, you know, and they what have this... What could you believe in anymore when the society has been so destabilized? Yeah. You know, and your roles are taken away, your jobs are taken away, you're suddenly a disposable commodity... Mm-hmm. You know, your worth is what you buy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the generation that first got introduced to that as being like, guess what? You have zero job stability. Mm-hmm. You don't get the American dream. That doesn't, you don't well, get your to your boss is going to fire you in five years anyway. Yeah. So you should always be looking for another job. Always. Be working on that resume. Right. <laughs> always be working on that when resume. When you go home, just work on your resume. <laughs> Because nothing is stable. Yeah. You are not appreciated. You yeah. do not have value. And the price, you know, the price of housing just skyrocketed. And so, you know, most people are renters. And it's all insecurity. It, and then you have to like move around a lot. And it's, it is a ton of destabilization and, and insecurity and fear. You know, like how can you save when you're spending all your money on rent and you're not really a part of a community in the same way yeah you know and when are we gonna like start getting back to let's cook some meals together let's developing intimacy right exactly but you don't have time to have a relationship and especially because there's so much darkness in our culture around relationship like jealousy and um control and just beliefs about how women should be and how men should be it like really puts you know unhealthy patterns into relationships as they are now and so you're always having to like negotiate with people's wounds like not only your own wounds (laughs) but also this other person who you're trying to relate to yeah and are they even capable of expressing what their wounds are because even in saying i have wounds that's its own 
like that's moat. even there's, a bigger <laughs> step. Yeah, there's Some a moat are, around just like, acknowledging no, that there's a moat. I'm not. I don't have any. I pain. I, I don't want to tell you about anything mm-hmm. that's wrong Especially with me. Especially not on the. I mean. What are they going to do on the first day? Tell you all their wounds? That's and, not a good sign either. Right. That that there are many, uh, mm-hmm. you know, movies or clips about like the person who's all like, <laughs> you know, talking about their ex girlfriend. Yeah, you're just ah! like, oh no. Okay. I More see you're wounded. That's wonderful. So how do we fix it? Yeah. Well, I think it's all about fixing yourself. You know, be the change that you want to see in the world be the change you want to see in your own bedroom you know explore more you know create more art you know what vision do you want to see in the world i you know as a survivor of sexual assault uh, in alaska i really saw that you know men are trained to be assertive and take no for not take no for an answer and uh, I really saw that, you know, women are taught to be passive and not directly say what they want or don't want, um, and certainly not right up front, and always be kind and nice and mm-hmm. not like, if someone is overstepping your boundaries, don't punch them in the face. And I really thought like, wow, this is, this is what is creating rape culture. You know, and, and even being able to say the words rape culture. I think I was doing my show for two years before I really could say the word rape. Wow. And it, I mean, I, luckily, at, uh, when I did get my uh, sexual health educator certificate, I, I was able to articulate and realize, oh, that was a very healing process for me where we learned about like what was an unhealthy relationship and what, you know, and, and to be like, oh, that's, to see how the systemic, you know, culture works, you know, putting men in boxes and you have to be masculine and they don't get to like feel what's going on in their bodies and they're taught, you know, taught to accept violence. That's part of the the, the structure of violence. So not only are we, men are violent to each other, they're violent to their partners, and they're violent to themselves. Even. Mm. They're not loving themselves, they're not taking care of themselves, and they, they aren't giving the same, you know, value to their own sensations and experiences. They're taught to, like, press them down and don't cry and be a big boy and, you know, have a stiff upper lip. Did you get laid? Right. right. That's the only thing about like being able to be a sexy man is you have to get laid, but you have to get laid over and over and over again. It's always this fleeting thing that you're chasing, chasing in the future, mm-hmm. but then you're never satisfied in the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's so toxic that I wanted to start talking about consent and how do we give women voice to what they want so that men and women and everyone, non-binary persons, people who aren't seen um, by the culture, how we could all say, this is what I want to express in the world. This is who I am. This is how I want to dress. This is how I want to dress today. You know, this is who I want to be. And like be in that authentic, 
you know, feeling their own sensations, not like pushing away their anger or their sadness, but just experiencing it like in the moment rather than having to relive it, you know, in the future right. and really um, being able to like shift to being present, you know, and I think um, studying and interviewing experts is what's really made the difference for me okay. because, you know, I've talked to hundreds of authors and sexologists and uh, tantricas mm -hmm. and BDSM practitioners, bondage riggers, and, you know, what makes it safe? And, you know, even in the most intense sensations that I wouldn't necessarily choose, um, you know, how do you make that safe if, you know, urethral sounding is something that you want to explore and what does that feel like? And, you know, how do you make that safe? How do you do something so extreme in a safe way? And uh, it was just fascinating. And then, you know, what you realize is that there's such a diversity available to us in pleasure, in connection, and in ourselves that, you know, and here's how you make it safe to try new things, you know? Mm. If you wanna just try, you know, a tiny nibble of this, you know, that's what's actually appropriate when we are just starting it out. Like, just take a small bite, mm -hmm. you know? See how it tastes. <laughs> Does that feel good to the inside of your mouth? Do you know? If it doesn't, great. You can if it, it does, out. great. Totally. It doesn't matter because That's it's right. about being you. present and right. acknowledging that you have sensation at all. Totally. And the more sensation that you can accept, like you can start to like meditate on the sensations of sexuality or just um, any kind of pleasurable touch. You know, a lot of, um, in fact, Dossie Easton, the author of The Ethical Slut, reminded me that... Um, it's best to, when starting to do uh, like BDSM and sacred exploration, like a tantric BDSM that she teaches in her Radical Ecstasy book, um, that's about taking journeys of sensation to transcendent, transcendental states, mm -hmm. um, starting with a, a massage with couples and just really getting in the habit of communicating, you know, is that too much pressure? Is it not enough pressure? What would feel even better? You know, softer, lighter, you know, and really open up the communication rather than just, you know, shutting down, pretending to enjoy it, making noises like, you know, that aren't really connected to what you're feeling and then really opening up the door of communication. I think that that's really interesting that you say that because the other thing is in addressing the stigma of specifically, I think in women, of that they want you to already know. Like right? If you loved me, then you, you would, would already know. know. And I don't I want liked. to have to communicate it. Right. And therefore... But every woman is different. Exactly. And she's different every day. Right. And she's different every day depending on how aroused she is. Right. Your, your ability to tolerate particular sensations completely changes when you're aroused. Totally. Totally. You know? and, I, and I've caught myself on this myself. You, you know, where know. you get annoyed that you're just but like, you also, when you're asking me, yeah. like... Is, is this, this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? And I'm just like, I want a powerful motherfucker who can, you know, just, just knows. knows. But. <laughs> it's so unfair, it though. It is 
very important that they check in. And oftentimes things go so quickly that there isn't time to like, what do I feel? What do I want? You know, and to be honest, I think we open so slowly, we can. And, and, and taking the time to open slowly, like really build your arousal and like build a safe container for your relationship, like it's so pleasurable because you get to enjoy the anticipation mm. and the like sizzle and the even just the lightest touch, just as you're like barely, you know, grazing the hairs on someone's arm, like it electrifies the body and like it really like makes you want to feel more. Mm. And like it really, and going slow invites more depth and also brings more nervous sensation. Like you train your nervous system to feel more. Mm. And we oftentimes, you know, have our goal of orgasm, right? So we're getting really tense and we're like thinking that, you know, we can just get a little bit closer for just a little bit. <laughs> and then what you're not noticing is that, is your, um, so as you tense up all your muscles, what happens is you're not allowing the parasympathetic nervous system, which is that, um, that's the nervous system that's responsible for the, oh, that feels so good feeling, right? Yeah. Like, oh gosh. And like the really relaxing and the more you relax, the more you can feel and the more you can invite sensation, not just into your crotch, but all over your body. And so your whole body will start tingling. And instead of being about, you know, a crotch sneeze, it will be about your pleasure, right? Totally. Not that I don't like a good crotch sneeze. No, I, do. I, I like hashtag crotch sneeze. No, yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. You're like, oh, I feel better. Woo! Oh. That was great. Yeah, yeah, that's, that is, that is a really, that's the best new way to describe an orgasm is a crotch sneeze. Well, and for men, you know, that's when they, you know, they it feel totally like, oh, what do they only get better? You know, they only get that one. And so, you know, the process of like learning how to spread out the sensation all over their body, not just having it like be in one place and you're just stimulating, stimulating, stimulating and like really, ah. And then that's actually diminishing and dampening the amount of time that you have an orgasm. And then also um, it makes it less pleasurable because you're not able to feel it because your muscles are so tense. Mm. And I mean, yes, I know that sometimes it can be a struggle and especially with a new person and, yeah. you know, all these things. But I mean, that's what the joy of like really blocking time out. I know it doesn't seem romantic, but people are like, they don't want to plan their sex. They just want it to be magical. Like <laughs> suddenly we're just like going to be swept away in the moment. And when do we have time for that? No, I know. Right? I know. I think it's really important. You should and be we like, get to the I, end of the date and we're exhausted. I need six hour like, block. Exactly. Here. Exactly. I want it to Maybe be 12. Yeah. No. Uh, there's a really, uh, I, I can never remember what his name is, but I just saw him perform 
randomly a couple like a week or two ago and he was like the sexiest man it was just this wildly sexy man on stage and all of his music and I just loved all of it and I was like well this is a gift you know right. just like total the universe like hey why don't you have some real source inspiration here right, right. and isn't that wonderful yes thank you universe just like thank you and it happens regularly I got yeah. Miguel I went to a Miguel concert and it was like a gift someone literally gifted me a ticket to Miguel and I was like uh, wow. <laughs> okay, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, so Jadena, Jadena, Jadara, I think it's Jadena. So he has this song, uh, a little bit more, mm. and the essentially the chorus is, um, I'm gonna need all night and mm. a little bit more, right. and like, who does it? I mean, yeah. like. Why is that yeah. not an idea? It is an idea. And I think, you know, taking, and, and Dossie was telling me about um, how she and a lover would like plan these days where first she would go chop wood because she needed to heat her home. So she's like, you know, being a lumberjack out in her little patch of the woods and then she you know builds a fire and they take baths shared baths and she sets out a buffet table so they have snacks for so they don't a have grazing to... table exactly so you can like eat something nourish yourself and then come back to the pleasure Wonderful. and like it's a whole day experience a feast exactly and then family. you're like actually like taking time to like unfurl with each other and get into your bodies and get present you know and it, it it isn't just you know a quick date couple of drinks and then you're supposed to be ready you yeah. know especially after dumping a bunch of depressants into your system like not that I don't love a glass of wine because I do and we're <laughs> so close to Napa it's really difficult to resist but anyway I certainly wouldn't want to explain you know, have every sexual experience that I have be addled by an intoxicant, right? right? Or that it's after you have this really great night, right. and it's like, uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm tired, and right. I don't feel fresh, right. and, you know, I would like a shower, and right. I'd like, I'd like totally. a reset here, exactly. you know? Exactly. And but at the same time, like, but you also wanted to get to know each other too, right? Like, really know them. Yeah, I think there is something really um, shifting in the culture about, like, do you actually know this person? Right. Right? Like, who are they? Yeah, and people are on their best behavior at first, and so you do have to get to know them for a while, and especially if you're going to do edgy things. And I mean, if you can't even talk about sex, like, how are you going to get to know what they like sexually <laughs> before you try to have sex with them, right? Yeah. And if you can't say, you know, I've been tested for this recently, this, this, and this, you know, what have you been tested for? <laughs> you know, how recently? You right. Know, what were your results? And, and not to shame people that have had positive test results, because that's not what this about is about. You know, it's... You know, when you have a, a positive test result, it just means that you need, you know, treatment and you need to, like, figure out how to reduce the risk of transmitting it to someone else. And that is possible as long as you communicate, you become educated about